Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Will you, women capture Utah. They photograph fires, floods, crime scenes, politicians, sports, the arts, the outdoors, families, clergy, and countless personal stories. Through Her Eyes is a photojournalism ex- exhibit at Salt Lake City Library's main branch. It's sharing Utah's stories is captured through the lenses of 20 of the state's female news photographers. And photojournalists are the women and men who, in the midst of conflict and confusion, try to capture moments that compel us to action, compassion, or reflection. But for all the balanced coverage the best news organizations make a mission of seeking out and revealing, it's only in recent decades they've pushed for gender equality within their own ranks. It was not until the early 1980s that the first female photojournalist was hired by the Salt Lake Tribune and women began to tell the story of Utah. The exhibit, Through Her Eyes, is sponsored by the Utah Headliners Chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists and the Tory Gallery. And uh, we welcome in studio uh, Kim Raff, who co-organized the event with our other guest, uh, Brianna Scroggins. Uh, Kim interned with the Deseret News, later went on to work at uh, Paper in Virginia for five years, came back to Utah to work at the Salt Lake Tribune. has been working at a freelancer since uh, 2013, and uh, Kim regularly contributes to the New York Times, Associated Press, work as a part of Atlantic Newsweek, ProPublica, Wall Street Journal, and elsewhere. Welcome to the program. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for uh, joining us. The other organizer of the exhibit is Brianna Scroggins, uh, who is a photographer at the Ogden Standard Examiner. And uh, Brianna Scroggins, you got your degree at Western Kentucky University, I understand, and you've worked uh, in Lexington and Knoxville and uh, in Michigan, some other areas now, now in Ogden. Yep, that's correct. Thanks for having us, Tom. Thanks for uh, being uh, here with the program. Uh, so why this exhibit, Kim? So, you know, it's kind of funny. We we didn't really, uh, a colleague of ours, uh, Trent Nelson, he is a longtime photographer at the Salt Lake Tribune. He kind of, he's been here for a while and, you know, been working in Utah for a long time. So he knew a lot of um, of the different women who've come through and he he's kind of known us all. And he sort of sent out an email, was like, you know, I was talking to somebody. I thought this would be a great idea. This was actually two years ago. <laughs> Um, and we just, you know, we, he sent it out and he was like, you know, I think this is a really good idea, but I don't think I can be the one to really organize this. And, you know, and I, and, and it wasn't something sort of on my mind initially, but after I started thinking about it, I really decided, you know what, like, you know, this was a really great idea. And I think Brianna had the same idea too. And we sort of just came together as a group and sort of talked it out and decided the way how it was going to look. But, you know, it wasn't initial like, let's, you know, get these women together and really like, you know, but it sort of (laughs) evolved over time into this uh, celebration of women in Utah. And I think as we've created the exhibit, it's become more, it started to become more and more meaningful for us, you know. Absolutely. As I mentioned in the uh in the open, by the way, I'm just lifting language from the exhibit itself. Um, the the uh, gender equality has, I guess, come. I don't know about the same pace as in society to the to the news organizations or head of pace, or we're still lagging. Or uh, oh no, uh, I think it's I think it's just hard because it's a evolving industry, and a lot of uh, news organizations are still trying to figure out what their role is and how to best do their job. And I think that um, hiring has kind of fallen to the wayside. A lot of people don't hire as much as they once did or replace people in, as they once did. And so I think it's been kind of just dwindling a little bit mm-hmm. naturally. And now that we're starting to figure out what our place is, what our role is, 
um, diversity and representation are coming back into people's minds. Let's uh, play a clip here. This is a bit of audio from a video. Uh, this is Lindsay Adario. Um, and this is from a Time Magazine article on um, equality among photojournalists, not only women, but uh, by you know uh, same-sex orientation and, and other um, factors. And this is Lindsay Dario talking about what she does as a photojournalist. My job as a photographer and as a photojournalist is to try to bring the brutality of war back home to a reader in a way that they can enter. I don't want them to look at a picture and say, oh, that's horrible, and turn the page. I want them to stop. I want them to say, wow, what's happening? Oh, it's a mother and her child. All these small moments can add up and they sit in people's minds. If you make them not beautiful enough, but if you make them accessible enough. My name is Lindsay Dario and I'm a photojournalist. I think that we have a responsibility as human beings to, to care about how other people live, especially when they live with great injustices and they do not have the luxuries we have here in America, where I am a woman, I am born, it is a given. I will have a house, a roof over my head, I will have running water, electricity, education. I can decide what I want to do for a living. That is astonishing because for most women in the world, they will never ever have one of those things. I can't take that for granted. So many women are casualties of their birthplace. They have nothing when they were born and would have nothing when they died. They survived off the land and through their dedication to their families, their children. I started covering uh, the war in Congo in 2006. I was able to spend two weeks, literally, every single day, uh, meeting with, interviewing, and photographing women, rape victims. It was incredible to me because not only were they brave to go on camera and to talk about what had happened to them, but a lot of them were, you know, they, they took a stand and they said, Yes, take my picture because I want to try and help other women and I want to try to give this strength to other women to come forward and to not feel like they're victims. It was very clear to me that no matter what hand you're dealt in a lot of these places, you have to get on with it and you just have to move on. And so that I used a lot in my own experiences. So for example, in Libya, and I remember very distinctly in Libya being tied up, blindfolded, and punched in the face. And I remember there was a moment where I just sat there and I just started crying. And then I thought, you know, pull yourself together. I mean, you could handle this. This is like, it, 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 it's a lot worse for a lot of other women. And so I used their stories as a source of strength. So there's Lindsay Adario. Um, it's, this is titled, It's What I Do, and I found this at uh, Time Magazine. It's an article called How a Lack of Representation is Hurting Photojournalism. Um, so let me start with uh, Brandon Scroggins. What, what do you see your job as being or your goal as a photojournalist? Sure. I mean, for me, being among the community is my 
biggest focus. I want to be telling the stories of the people in the community. Uh, Lindsay Dario is an amazing, amazing photographer who goes out into war zones and does these amazing things. For me, it's not so extreme, um, but I get the opportunity to spend time with my Utah families, businesses, and uh people of the community. Hmm. So representing, telling their stories, being able to um, kind of be a translator for what it is that their life and what their experiences are. Um, I just translate that into images to rep- to show to other people and to share their stories with. Same question to you, Kim. What, what's your goal? What's your job? You know, we're out here telling stories of the people, like, you know, Brianna said, in our community. But and that's not, you know, that's happy stories, but that's also sad stories. And I think, you know, we we really take that seriously because we think it is so important for the people in this community to know what's going on with the their neighbors, you know, with the person down the street. Because we I know I really believe like, you know, understanding our world in a outside your own personal bubble really helps to like you know to understand things in a more in a deeper way and really really bring our community together so you know for us i i really i really think that we take that job really seriously and we take we don't take that lightly and you know i think you know some people think oh you know we just photograph car crashes and fires but you know i also really love to like photograph things that celebrate life too and really can show us the joys of humanity as well as sometimes we also have to show, you know, some of the some of the sadder things that happen in our communities mm. as well. This might be a good uh, time to bring in this. This is, I believe, uh, Kim, your uh, photograph. You you did some uh, photo, I, I, probably on assignment, yep. did a photograph um, of uh, Destiny. What was her last name? Norton. Destiny Norton. And unfortunately, it makes me feel callous. I had forgotten that before I went back and, and was uh, viewing some of your photographs, and then it came back to me. This is a little girl who was missing for a time, and then she was discovered in the basement of a of a neighbor just two doors down had been murdered by by him. Yes. So there are photographs of the search, and then there's photographs when her body's recovered and photographs from the funeral and yes, so forth. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, that was a, uh, I was uh, actually an intern, so I was just a pup at that point. I mean, I think I was <laughs> 24, 23. Um, and yeah, I'd come to the Deseret News. I was uh, working as an intern there. It was my third internship, but my first internship at a large newspaper. So, you know, um, that was an experience in itself. But uh, interestingly enough, I'd come from Flint, Michigan, which was like one of the most violent communities at the time in the country. Um, so it was interesting to move from Flint to then come to Utah and work in Salt Lake Tribune at the Deseret News. Um, but, you know, as an intern, this story happened in the summer that I was working there. It was one of the biggest stories, I think, of the summer, um, you know, because she had been missing for so long. You know, it kind of went on for a few weeks. Uh, but at the time, the Deseret News, there was a couple of us working on it, um, but they liked to kind of keep photographers sort of on the same story, if the, you know, if they can, if they've been already photographing it. So uh, I sort of started from the very beginning, you know, to the search. Um, I wasn't there the night that she was discovered because there was a lot that happened that that night, too. Um, I think I just wasn't working that day. But, uh, but you know, I had followed that story to the end. And um, it was something to really uh, watch the progression of the family because I think at some point they actually were considered suspects. So 
to really be there. And, you know, you're there enough that they start seeing your face, that they start to recognize you. And then um, they start to feel more comfortable with you being around. And um, the photo that you're referring to is a, a cluster of um, it's the father of Destiny Norton and um, a few of his uh, close friends and family were coming together in a hug. And it's a really small, you know, tight intimate moment I'm right there and you know I think if I hadn't been there earlier in the week and they'd seen my face they probably would have just been like get out of here you're a pariah you know um but I think at that point you know people really wanted to sort of honor destiny and to show how much that she meant to them and their family and how tragic it was and I think you know it was important for the readers to really get a sense of just how devastating this was for the community and to also allow us to like collectively grieve together at that point for the loss of, you know, such a beautiful child. So, mm. yeah. This is difficult on radio, you know, to, like people to look at it. It illustrates what a photograph can do versus what a uh, 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 written word can do. So yeah. there, there's a lot packed in this. I want to talk about another uh, photograph here a little further down. This is at the grave site. Um, and it's it's a little playmate of Destiny's. Uh, his name is Jeremiah Whitaker, being consoled by his parents, and apparently at that point inconsolable. This is yeah. Um, that was uh, still to me. It's one of the like hardest moments that I've ever had in a job, and it actually um, something I think about a lot, a lot. Um, I think people think of journalists as sort of this callous people that just come in and with their cameras and don't care about the people that they photograph. But I've thought about this, um, this scene a lot and definitely took some, you know, I still think about it. Um, you know, I kind of well up when I, but uh, the, the son, it was a playmate of Destiny's and he was just, he, he hadn't realized what was going on because he was so young. He was probably, I think, four or five at the time. And, and then he finally realized that, like, Destiny was in the box in the coffin and that she wasn't coming back. And the minute he kind of put two and two together, I mean, which I think I can't even imagine for a child to understand, I mean, he just started wailing and, and just screaming. And it just went on and on and on for uh, quite some time and it was it was a really hard thing um, and at that moment you want to just grieve with them but you realize like I'm here I have to show this pain for people to understand how hard this is for a family and so you know as I'm this isn't the first time this has happened to me and I'm sure Rana can talk to this too but you know you're you're photographing and tears are streaming down your face and you're really feeling that that griefed as well and you know so I started photographing him as his family just tried to console him and I mean, everyone was just devastated and um, you know I felt even though I love that frame it's like you never you're not sure if you can ever really you hope that your image can even begin to let let understand let people transport them to that place mm -hmm. you know and um, I hope that you know that frame really helps people to like take them to that place too so that they can sort of collectively like i said collectively grieve with the family so the, the captions haunting it says uh, jeremiah whitaker as he grieves the death of his playmate jeremiah's wails echoed around the burial at holiday memorial park for over 20 minutes yeah. that's 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 just that's just heartbreaking yeah. uh, so what, uh, for example um just talking about this specific uh, uh, photograph what what did you thinking about the reader that's the reader the viewer of this photograph in the in this case the desert news viewing this what do you, what did you want them to to get from that um 
like I said, I think uh, this was such a huge story that summer in the community and everybody really, um, you know, people were were following this for a long time. And I think, you know, I really just wanted everyone to be able to sort of, like I said, collectively grieve together. Um, that I think that she, while she was, you know, um, part of the Norton's, the Norton family was grieving, but I also think having, you know, the community at that point had been following the story for so many, so many weeks, I think at that point, it's like a couple weeks. And it was just, you know, the whole community had been sort of wanting to know and feel for this girl. And when she was discovered in the neighbor's basement, I mean, it was just, I think, devastating for the community. And I, and I think people really understanding and can really relate to that feeling of, or at least we can transport them there for a minute while they're looking at the photograph and they can sort of collectively grieve with the family, you know, Mm -hmm. I think what was important for me. And at the moment we're like actually taking the images, you know, I'm, I'm really just there trying to tell the story of what this girl meant to this family and meant to the community. And, you know, so I'm just trying to look for any kind of moment that really shows that. And of course, when this scene is happening, you, you just can't, you can't ignore it and you shouldn't ignore it. Um, and, uh, at that point, you know, the family, like I said, we had been around for the week, so they were a lot, they were pretty open, which isn't always the case at funerals. Um, and while we were shooting with a longer lens, I mean, I think I was shooting with like a 400 or something, um, you know, they were aware that we were there and they were, they were okay with us capturing that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Let me turn back to Brandis Scroggs. By the way, we're uh, t- we're talking about through her eyes. It's a photo exhibit playing uh, now. Is playing the right word? Showing now. Showing, <laughs> showing now at uh, the Salt Lake City Library's main branch, um, and it uh, features a female uh, photojournalists of uh, Utah, and uh, two of those photojournalists are with me in the studio. Our thanks to them for uh, for coming in, uh, Kim Raff and Brandis Scroggs. Before I go to a very striking image of yours. And we'll talk about several images, uh, both of yours, as we go through the program. Both of you have used the word community. Yes. Is that that how you? This is a this is a way the community can come together viewing these photographs. Yeah, it's more than just coming together. It's representing. It's, gosh, I mean, there's so much to a community. It's people interlocking in ways that they don't even know that they are related or linked to other people in their community. And I feel like it's so important now when in the digital age, when people are very much into their technology and devices and things like that to like, kind of just open your eyes and be like, Oh, you know, I have a neighbor two doors down that I've never really met before. And they have this, amazing collection that they've been working on for years or something else, you know, it's trying to just remind people that there's more in an area and that there's so many stories to be told and that there's so much um, love and passion and hate and all the things in, in an area represented, I guess. Mm -hmm. Let me uh, talk about this photograph. This this is very striking. In fact, this is the first photograph you see if you go to your website, Brianna Scroggins. It's a SWAT team. The, the The lead officer has a shield up. They have their guns drawn. They have their masks on. They're in camouflage. And uh, several of the officers are in a line proceeding uh, together. The second officer back from the officer in the shield is carrying a doll. And that's where the yeah. that's where the mystery comes in. Tell, tell me about this. So it's actually a my size Barbie. I mean, it is about a four foot tall 
Barbie doll with blonde, messy hair and wearing pink, as Barbie does. Um, This was a very happen-chance photograph. Um, I was interning in Midland, Michigan, and um, I got a notice on my door saying, the SWAT team is going to be practicing across from your house. Like, don't be alarmed. You know, they're just doing their job and they're practicing. And um, it was... It happened to be a busy day at the paper that we already had stuff for the front page and everything lined up for the next day. And they're like, well, we don't really have anything else for you to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go hang out and watch these SWAT teams practice because I think it would be interesting. And even for my job covering SWAT news and things like that, you know, understanding how they work can help me understand how I work best. And so I'm sitting out um, kind of on the sidewalk with my camera I'm actually like texting my friends saying, yeah, I'll be at your soccer game here in about 30 minutes. Da, 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 da. And the SWAT team is so stealthily and quietly just creeping closer and closer to this house. And for me, I'm bored out of my mind. And I'm like, okay, this is really slow. I'm just going to hang out a little bit longer. I've got nothing else to do. And they creep closer and closer. And the next thing I know is this my size Barbie doll is sitting on the porch. And I'm like, oh, my goodness what is going on and the SWAT team goes up collects the Barbie doll and starts tiptoeing backwards away and what is the situation is is that this my size Barbie is representative of a, a hostage situation it's the child in a hostage situation so these SWAT team members are rest have you know negotiated with the person who is ho- holding everyone hostage and they have negotiated to get the child and so they have this my size Barbie and it happened that I got this amazing quote from the sergeant who was working there. And he was like, it took everything to get my daughter to let me borrow this Barbie doll. Nothing better happened to that thing. So <laughs> it's also representative of how they had to protect it because somebody's daughter was going to be quite mad if, um, if something happened to her doll. But it's just kind of the fun slice of life stuff. I really like trying to find humor in normal day activities. And I think this photo... Um, is just like one of those things you just don't expect to happen. I didn't expect it to happen, that's for sure. Um, and it ended up running the. They ended up running it front page the next day. I'd imagine it's very striking, and it's it's a illustration of there. There's a mystery there in a lot of photographs. You don't know the full story until I just heard it from you. You know, I would have assumed the the SWAT officers are going forward in, in this photo. They're they're creeping backwards. They're retrieving the the hostage. Yeah. Correct. Let's take a break. When we come back, more on Through Her Eyes. It's a photo exhibit playing now at the showing now at Salt Lake City Library's main branch. Sharing Utah's stories is captured through the lenses of 20 of the state's female news photographers. Uh, and the, this exhibit is sponsored by the Utah Headliners chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists and the Tory Gallery. We'll talk about more striking photographs. Our guests are the organizers of the exhibit, K. Raff, or Kim Raff, excuse me, and Brianna Scroggins. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And support for science reporting on Utah Public Radio comes from the Utah State University Ecology Center, providing training opportunities for today's science communicators, one story at a time. 
Utah Public Radio would like to congratulate Nadra Hafar, education curator in the Utah State University Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art, for receiving a certification from the Utah Division of Arts and Museums. Hafar is now certified with the Change Leader Institute, which works to help advance communities through art and culture. Kudos from Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, I am uh, joined by the two organizers of a new exhibit, photo exhibit, at the Salt Lake City Library's main branch. It's called Through Her Eyes. It's uh, sharing Utah stories is captured through the lenses of 20 of the state's female news photographers. And I have with me uh, Kim Raff and uh, Brianna Scroggins. Uh, so, Kim Raff, I guess a, a central question here is that the, the exhibit is Through Her Eyes. What's different if it's a female photojournalist? I guess it's a different perspective. What's right. what 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 is different? You know, um, and you know this like you know we talked about. There's 20 women that are t- coming together for this uh, this exhibit. But um, and what is important about that? I think even especially in the state of Utah is that you know this state here has you know the second largest pay gap and and I think that you know that was definitely part of the thought when we were coming together to put this exhibit together and you know to really celebrate women and bring them to the to the forefront and I think um, one thing we didn't get to touch on earlier but um, that is important is I think that newsrooms should look like the communities that they cover and I think that it's really important to have that kind of representation within your newsroom. Um, and while there are some in the state that are, have that, you know, kind of diversity, there are some that don't. And I think that affects the way our coverage, uh, the coverage of our communities. Because we bring, as photographers and photojournalists, we bring our life experience to our work. I mean, we can't, you know, people want to talk about objectivity. And like, I really do when I go into a scene, I really try to be as objective as I can in that I'm not going to try to walk in with preconceived notions. But we see the world as people, all of us, based on how we've our life experience of the world and the kinds of experiences that we've had. And so we bring that to our photography. I think I know I that just comes to my photography naturally and the kinds of stories that I'm interested in and the kinds of things that I and how I approach certain stories. Um, and so while I don't think like I'm born a woman, so I shoot differently, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I've, you know, I'm been working as a woman and I've lived as a woman. So my experience and my interactions with the community is going to affect the way I see a story. And I think that is really important when you're talking about really um, gender specific issues like, you know, I just worked on some of the BYU, um, you know, the big story down in BYU with the uh, sexual assaults on campus. And, you know, I think that being a woman and coming, you know, and working with victims in that particular story, I mean, I think that I'm going to bring a different perspective than maybe a man. I don't, you know, I I do believe that. Some Mm -hmm. people may disagree with me on that, but I think it's not necessarily that I'm a woman. It's just, you know, living my life as a woman, Mm -hmm. you know. So. Tell me to follow up with that. Tell me about that. That's a, be a good example to walk us through. So, yeah. so you're going to go down to BYU. You're going to to 
do photography on this story of the sexual assault on, on Brigham Young University campus. What, what? How do you go about that? What do you? How do you select the? Yeah. Subjects and well, I was working. I was on assignment um, for the New York Times, but uh, also just you know I'm going down on assignment. They've already sort of set it up, but just more about my interactions with you know these survivors. Um, just you know, trying to bring my own experiences in life and trying to be able to relate to them in that way. And also just, you know, these are people who've been victimized by men in some respects. Um, And they, you know, obviously I'm trying to be conscious of that and recognize that. So, you know, I think just coming in and just trying to like bring all those things to the table when you're interacting with somebody and trying to really be as, you know, compassionate as you can in that sort of situation. I mean, I think uh, it might, you know, I think everybody would come to that conclusion, but just also just maybe them being able to feel more comfortable around me too, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that that definitely hopefully helped in that. I mean, you know, I can't speak for their experience, but I, I really tried to like be thoughtful of that, you know, in my interaction with them, you mm-hmm. know? as well. Brenna Scroggins, I, um, there might be instances where you see a photograph that would go against a stereotype. For example, uh, well, let me bring this up. This is from your website. Here's a close up of a woman who's been beat up. Well, you know, she has black eye, more than black eyes. She has like yellow bruised eye sockets and they're both eyes. When I first saw this photograph, I thought, okay, domestic violence. Yeah. But it's not that. It's not. Um, this happened to be a um, new MMA fighter and a very, very tough woman who also likes to model on the side. And Mixed martial arts. Yeah. Yes. MMA, yeah. And um, she had only been training for a couple months and was feeling very confident. And she's like, yep, I'm ready for my first fight. Throw me in. And she went in and she went up against an opponent who had a lot more practice than her. And she lost. So the uh, bruises under her eyes are not of domestic violence, but of mixed martial art fighting. Uh, and this is a, this is a close up. You look in her eyes. She seems pretty determined. This is, I guess, this is I don't know, how soon after the fight? I don't know. She's oh, within a week. Within a week. Okay. Uh, she's hopefully healing up. But I, I get from her eyes, she'll be back in the ring. Oh, absolutely. Her eyes are super fierce and, you know, she she's a very determined young woman mm-hmm. and no doubt I'm sure she's been back in the ring since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Kim, uh, another series of photographs you've been doing might go against what uh, gender stereotypes people might have. You, you've been photographing, I guess it's ongoing, you've been photographing a militia. Yeah. Members in, in Utah, in the West? Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, photographing a, a, a militia group. They're the largest militia group in Utah. And um, uh, I, you know, I was interested in that, you know, like I said, we're always trying to tell the story of our community and uh, actually started doing this in 2013. It was at the time right after Sandy Hook and there was a, uh, you know, a big push in Utah for while Obama was trying to push for gun control, there was actually sort of another backlash to that in Utah. And there was a huge, a lot of, you know, a huge group of people coming together to really, you know, sort of 
you know, kind of create this backlash against what was going on in the rest of the country after the Sandy Hook shooting um, and when there was sort of some gun regulation coming down. And seeing that, I realized, oh, gosh, this is a big story happening in Utah. So I'm going to start to, like, really look for some stories to help tell what's going on in the state because I think it's important. Um, And sort of after it took me a couple of months, I sort of got militia in my head for some reason and started researching it, researching it um, and found this group. Um, It took me a couple of months to actually took me a while to get in and actually find them, find a group that wasn't, you know, there's a lot that goes on in the story, but, you know, find a group that wasn't just like a crazy guy in his garage making bombs, but is actually like a group of people coming together um, in a way that's, you know, part of this movement that's really part of this more mainstream movement. And um, yeah, you know, so I found them, but I, I, I would love to, I haven't ever asked them what they thought of me when they first met me because I'm sort of a smaller woman <laughs> and then uh, why I was interested in this movement of people. But um, I was kind of interested in for this newsworthy aspect. But in our interaction, it's been really interesting for them and the way they've interacted with me in that at first, I think they were kind of like, what is this? what is she doing here? Like, I don't, I don't understand why she's interested in this. But then through time as like, you know, we've spent more and more time together, they've kind of opened up to me. And um, I think really, you know, in some ways been, I've maybe their stereotype of what they thought I was going to be like. And I think it was sort of went both ways in the stereotype that I thought that they were going to be like. And one of the stories that I've sort of moved into telling with that story is some of the women who are involved in the militia. And I know that, you know, I really did come to this story with no preconceived ideas about who they are and what they're about. Um, I really tried to be as objective because I think a lot of when you talk about militia, people immediately have this storyline they're putting in their head. And um, I found it to be just so interesting to um, sort of get to know some of the women in the group and like what is their motivation and um, one of the women, Autumn, she's amazing. Uh, She was, you know, telling me, you know, can't always rely, you know, rely on a man to protect you. And I have kids and I wanted to be able to protect my own kids, you know. And I think that empowerment there for just a woman in, in the militia is something that maybe I don't think people would immediately think of, you know, when they think of a group like that. So and, you know, honestly, it, t- it goes to talk about a lot about how we learn so much. I mean, I learned so much from the world, from my job and and about people and about humanity. I mean, I feel so lucky that I've gotten to have so many people in my life that I never would have met. And I've learned so much about just the way people are in, in, in the world through the subjects that we meet every day. And so that's been a really cool experience for me. Uh, we are talking about a new exhibit at the Salt Lake City Main Library, uh, the main branch. Um, it's called Through Her Eyes, and uh, it uh, features photographs from uh, 20 of uh, Utah's female news photographers. And we have with us Kim Raff and Brianna Scroggins, who are the organizers of the event with us in, in studio. Uh, before we go to break, um, I want to have both of you respond to and this is, when I saw this photograph, it really struck me. This is from the exhibit Through Her Eyes. I thought, okay, that would this scene would be more likely to have been noticed by a female photojournalist. But, you know, maybe I'm selling the men photojournalists uh, short, uh, and, and maybe I'm engaging in stereotyping here. In any case, it's a very striking image. Just have you, you respond to this, maybe Brianna first. It's, um, it looks like an Indian girl. 
I can imagine maybe on Navajo Reservation or, you know, uh, somewhere in the, in the southwest. Uh, so you see the girl in the background. In the foreground, there's a rug. looks like a, a Native American rug. And the girl is admiring. She's lying down on her side, admiring this uh, Cinderella uh, horses and carriage. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's a very subtle moment. Um, that's Jamila's photo. She's amazing photographer. Um, I definitely don't want to unders- undersell our, our male photographers. They do such great work. And um, it, it is kind of weird to kind of separate the, the men from a, the women and in this gallery because there are so many sensitive men and um, visual men who see a lot of things. And they very well could have gotten this photo. I don't want to undersell that by any means. But this this quiet moment that you can tell that the subject is very comfortable with Jamila and, um, you know, Jamila's not taking up a huge space or being, um, you know, uh, I guess like noisy. It's just quiet and comfortable and just kind of a very subtle, a subtle moment. Yeah. What, what do you think? Um, well, I do. I know a little bit of background about this story um, in that, you know, this is part of actually a longer term series. She spent a few months or I'm not sure how long she spent with this family, but she spent a long time following this family. And I know they're called the Moons. Um, and she and this is on a reservation. I'm a pa reservation up it's on the utah nevada border Mm. it's pretty um isolated up there and jamila uh photographed it and focused on this it's it's either three or four generations of women i can't remember of uh women who live together on this reservation and you know part of it was to sort of show their what the way that they're living and how there is a struggle there with you know, some of the things that they, you know, some of the resources that they are lacking in money and poverty and health care. There's a lot going on in there because this is like a part of a lar- lar- much larger project. But um, the thing that she did focus on was this four generations of women. And I think, you know, we've talked about it. And, you know, she says that, like I said earlier, it's not about being a woman. We take photographs differently because we were just born women. But just like your life experience and the things that you're drawn to. And I think she was drawn to these women coming together because maybe she was a woman. And mm-hmm. um, also she I think she also, um, you know, was drawn to that and showing that life experience but also she has said that she thinks that you know this is already a culture that's pretty closed off to some people you know because they've been sort of disenfranchised by a lot of people in you know in this community so I think it was already hard to get into that community and I think that you know her being a woman they allowed her to come in and spend a significant amount of time with them and you know a lot of what we do it's about access and like it doesn't matter how great a photographer you are and like but if you can't be in that moment photographing that moment you're never going to get that image and so i wonder a lot about this image and that could a man have been able to get into that access and been able to really be able to spend the time with the family that would be have been required to make such a quiet moment into something so beautiful hmm. So. There's a lot in the background then to, to actually get that photograph. Yeah. And this is very powerful culturally to me as well. This this is a Native American girl admiring something's very mainstream. This is, you know, I don't know if this is a Disney little, uh, you know, toy. Yeah. And I don't know what the attitude of the, of the you know, her mother and grandmother would have would be. 
obviously, I guess they're okay with her having this this toy, but they're, they're, I don't know if it's culture conflict or culture, you know, assimilation. There's there's a lot right. culturally going on here too. Right, and I think she's and I think she's trying to say that with the image. You know, I think you can't look at that image and not talk about the fact that there's, you know, this is about where does these do these people fit into the, our culture and into our society? And and I think that's pretty clear that Jamila, when she, you know was editing or photographing, or I'm sure she saw this when it was happening and maybe she didn't, maybe, you know, but when that came later in editing, but I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's an amazing moment that really, really talks about that struggle and, you know, maybe under, maybe being her own experience in life, you know, she can kind of understand what that's like to be sort of an outsider looking in or trying to strive for something else. And maybe that's what, how she, you know, really recognize that moment and like I said it's about like our life experiences and understanding and actually Jamila is um, she's German and she came to the United States um, for a period of time she now lives back in Berlin in Germany works as a freelancer but maybe you know that experience of her being German working in the United States being an outsider understanding that like you know that kind of I'm sure also played in just as much as her being a woman Mm -hmm. you know because I know that she was drawn to Native American culture because in Germany that's not something that there really, there is any, there isn't Native American culture there, obviously. And so for her, that was something that was sort of interesting, and she couldn't understand why there was such a divide within the United States between Native Americans and, you know, the Americans that live here now. now. Yeah. So. Let's take another break. Yeah. When we come back, I want to hold that thought about, about, about passing through over cultures. And when we come back, I'll talk to Brandon Scoggins about uh, Scroggins, rather, um, about your time in the Peace Corps in, in, in Africa. Yeah. It must have been a very interesting uh, outsider's view. And I want to bring that back to both of you on, as an insider, I guess uh, as a regular member of the community, then, then how the view changes uh, coming back home. More following the break. Would a doctor ever prescribe art? Several recent studies may make you wonder. Listening to music may boost running performance up to 15%. Children and teenagers listening to music after major surgery reported pain reduction on a scale equivalent to over-the-counter pain medications. Viewing aesthetically appealing artwork lowered the pain scores of volunteers who were subjected to discomfort. And music has been used as a pathway to healing and memory in patients with dementia. So, visit a museum, attend a concert or play, and add to your playlist. It may just be good for your health. This is Wendy Hassan for State of the Arts. State of the Arts is brought to you by the Cache Valley Center for the Arts in Logan, Utah, with a cooperative gallery featuring the work of more than 30 participating artists. Details at cachearts.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Memory Mark, helping families to preserve and relive precious memories that help keep us connected to the people we love. Information at MemoryMark.com. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. And uh, we're talking about a, a new exhibit. It's called Through Her Eyes. It's a photojournalism exhibit at Salt Lake City Library's main branch. Sharing Utah's stories is captured through the lenses of 20 of the state's female news photographers. We have the organizers of the exhibit with us in studio. 
and they are uh, Kim Raff and Brianna Scroggins. And uh, I want to uh, follow a thread that we had before the uh, before this break, uh, Brianna. We were talking about with with Kim about perspective, how that not necessarily female perspective, but just individual perspective. And so I, w- I want to match those ideas up with your experiences in Africa. You went went over in the Peace Corps. Were you was your assignment photography? Actually, no, it wasn't. I was um, a community health advisor. Um, I actually signed up for the Peace Corps after college. I always wanted to do um, some sort of volunteer work, and with photojournalism, you never ha- you're always at your subject's schedule, and you never know when you're going to have free time, and it's hard to make commitments. And so I decided that after my internships, before I started my absolute career, that I wanted to do Peace Corps. And um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was in Malawi, Africa. I was a community health advisor in the northern tip of Malawi. I could see the Songwe River from a hike away. And um, it was it was very different, very much perspective. It is also a community where... Um, your sex is your role and um whatever you know if you're a male you make the money you handle the money you're able to drink if you're the woman you fetch the firewood you raise the children you cook and um it it was a very very eye-opening experience it was something where um there were stereotypes about me there was i had stereotypes about the community and it was an amazing chance to kind of allow one another to explore those those um ideals that may or may not have been true and um for me even though i was a health volunteer i did a lot of other stuff um we had a uh, nationwide uh, women's empowerment camp where we brought in young women from all over malawi to learn different things that they may not be able to learn in school and i took a lot of that information back with me to um have co-ed women empowerment camps to educate the young men as the women why women empowerment is good and why it's needed because if you just educate the young women then there's no change um so that was something that I kind of undertook with my with my service but I did incorporate photojournalism in what I did uh it was the 50th anniversary of Peace Corps and I was there and we had a little extra funding and we made a book for the for the country and for Peace Corps it was a um kind of a coffee table book about Malawians' experiences and how Peace Corps influenced them and uh, Americans' experiences in Malawi and how that interacted with them and affected them. Hmm. I'm looking at one of the photographs here. And uh, I don't know, maybe we could get you to talk about universal versus sense of place. It, it, both that are in, I'm sure. This seems to be to be pretty universal. It's it's boys Having fun with the with the ball. In this case, it's a looks like a smaller ball than a soccer ball, but it looks like maybe they're playing soccer with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was in an alleyway, uh, not too far from my house, near the soccer grounds, um, and um, it's actually a bunch of plastic bags wrapped up. Oh, that's what it is to okay. to make a soccer ball. So they are kind of playing soccer, yeah. and um, the gentleman who has the ball has one shoe on and one shoe off. <laughs> and he's going to kick the ball, and behind him you see the uh, another player just kind of making a, a face of awe or uh, exclamation. And, um, yeah, it's very – I mean, it's you can definitely see yourself in these images. You know, there's always, like, 
the really good athlete at school that you admire and, you know, is very talented in that ways. But it's also just about being, being young and having fun and loving sports and being with your friends and, you know, running around in your community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kim, uh, I wonder this idea of universal and specific. And of course we're, you know, we, we learned that good, good literature is supposed to be both at the same time. I'd imagine good photography is as well. You have a very specific person that you're photographing, but you also hope there's some universality there. Yeah, you know, where I think there's some themes that come up in uh, Utah is, I guess, the third community. I've worked in Michigan. I've worked in Rochester, New York. I went to school there, and I've also worked in the South in Virginia. And, you know, there are some themes that come up over and over and over again in your work. Um, and, you know, you start to see that stuff repeat. And, and like I said before, you know, we're, we're storytellers, and we're trying to tell the story of humanity. And so that is a similar life experience for a lot of people. But I think what's important is to like sort of have, you know, being an outsider looking in in some communities in that, you know, I wasn't born and raised in Utah. I can come from a different perspective than somebody who was born and raised here. And I can bring with me maybe some of the ways that people live differently in other places and sort of be able to like take a look at the community and see it a little bit differently than somebody who's lived here their whole life. And I think, you know, when you talk about things like gender, you know, roles and how they're played out, um, it's even a little bit differently in a different place that you live. Like, I, you know, I think the way things were in Virginia is a little bit different than Utah. And I can bring that perspective, you know, coming from Virginia and coming to Utah and be able to see it maybe in a different way or be able to pick up on some subtleties that maybe some other people aren't aren't necessarily picking up on. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important. And that's, again, goes to this idea of like diversity in a newsroom, just like somebody who is of, you know, a different, you know, you know, somebody who's African-American or Latino or or gay or straight or or whatever, or transgender. I think having that diversity is you're going to be able to tell a more eye opening and real story of like your community. Mm. And so, yeah. Brianna, I've, I've pulled up a photograph here of yours. Yeah. Um, and this kind of hits against stereotypes to, to me when I saw this is two football players. I don't know if this is high school. Um, they're in uniform. They still got their helmets on. The the one is got, got his arm around the other young man's uh, helmet, and the one young man is crying. He's got tears rolling down his place. I don't know if this is in defeat or victory or it is. What this is it is a defeat. Um, this is a photo that I took from Roy High in the championship game. Um, they were tagged as the underdogs, and they were just amazing that year. Uh, amazing group of guys and I got to spend a lot of time with them so the team and parents and the coaches saw me on a pretty frequent basis because we covered their we covered a lot of their games and got to shoot and see their progression and some of the amazing amazing plays that happened that got them to this championship game and um, they made it all the way to the championship game and lost and they had worked so hard on that season and I think a lot of these photos to show like how much passion and care and effort these athletes you know went through to get where they were and you know of course they're upset that they lost but for some of them it was a graduating graduating year and um you just see the 
the love for the game mm-hmm. that these gentlemen have. Can I say, yeah. uh, uh, just like uh, covering so many uh, state championships with football, it's funny, this idea that we all have these football players, big burly guys are so tough. Yeah, there, there's no crying in football. They right, cry yeah. like babies okay. <laughs> a lot of the time. It's it's very fun. It, it is, and it is interesting, and I think this is, again, like goes to like, when we get to show these moments, it's so great for us because it really does like throw in the face of this like guys have to be tough. They can't mm-hmm. be sensitive. And like I loved like it's it, it was I remember my first time when I saw it, I felt like kind of like a little bit on it, like uh, uneasy about it. But it's now that I co- photographed a lot of them over time. I mean, it's something that, again, universally you see this in Virginia. I've seen it in Michigan. I've seen it all over, all mm-hmm. over the country. So the secret's out. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's healthy. I think we would yeah. say you know, it's good yeah. for this young man to, to yeah. cry and defeat, and yeah. hopefully Absolutely. then moves on. You know, yeah. learn, learns, learn some lessons. Yeah, uh, we're we're down just to have a, about uh, a minute left. I know you wanted to to thank some people for the exhibit uh, yeah. through her eyes. It's playing at. Uh, I keep saying playing, showing (laughs) at uh, the Salt Lake City Library's main branch. Yeah, we're so thankful. Um, This was actually completely funded and supported by the community, um, you know, Utah Headliners Chapter, the Society of Professional Journalists and Tory Gallery. But there was a lot other people that really made this happen, actually, even in the photojournalism community and the local community. And we're also so thankful that there was all the women came together and we could really come together and bring their work and submit their work and have it showing. Um, And we're just so thrilled and happy to celebrate this this group of women and ladies and um and their talent and their talent uh, yeah and really showcase it in utah so yeah we're just so grateful well thank you for uh, for coming to studio and uh, we've been talking with kim raff and brianna scroggins who are uh, co-organizers of, of the event thanks yeah thank you, you. Thank, you thank you so much uh, hope you'll join me tomorrow. We'll be talking about the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. The book is The Mirror Test. The author is former State Department official and, uh, and a Utah native, Cale Weston. Uh, he was posted as a diplomat to uh, the worst fighting in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. When he came home, he asked himself these questions. When will these wars end? How many will they be remembered and memorialized? What lessons can we learn from them? Cale Weston, The Mirror Test, tomorrow. Hope you join me. Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Humanities, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement. Online at utahhumanities.org. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.